Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Okay, so Mike, we're going to get into Romans 14. So let's start with reviewing our discussion from last time. The discussion of Romans 14 really begins in Romans 13, verse 8, where Paul contrasts fulfilling the law with love with breaking the law through lust or taking. Yep. Mm-hmm. That attitude of love has to be assumed before you read Romans 14, or we're going to make a mess of it. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So, hypothetically we we would make a mess of it yeah we're going to anyway so let's just blame something other than our attitudes but um, but no in romans 14 we have to recognize love 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 is going to be the key to reading this chapter correctly so often romans 14 is read as okay let's read this chapter to figure out who's right about a particular issue yeah, and, the, op- the the exact opposite of why he's writing this chapter. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think so many times we and well, whatever we mean by that have, have gotten on the wrong wrong side and often sided with Paul's opponents. But that's a discussion for another time. Talk yeah. But, and, and we can we can talk about this more later after we get into the text a little bit more. But as, as he's arguing for unity here, the things that he grounds grounds that on is not um how to establish who's right in the debate but how to treat each other right when it comes to the the issues that you hold different views on Um, so anyway well let's say one thing that's helped me in ephesians 4 is to realize the two types of unity i first heard this from andy cantrell that Paul wants them to maintain the unity of the spirit that they may yeah. take to the unity of the faith. Yeah. True unity is not agreeing on everything. True yeah. unity begins with loving your brother as yourself. Exactly. If well, you don't and, and you, start with that, you have no hope of working forward. Well, and, and think about how fragile a unity would be if it was based on agreeing with each other. Right. Yeah, I mean, be friends. It, yeah, take about think about I mean, our you're relationship. Wrong, you're wrong about a lot of stuff, and we still talk. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to say it first, ah, right? But but in, but in all seriousness, I've actually I've actually illustrated that in in some recent uh, classes I've taught, where I was like, Ryan and I are, are super good friends. We share so many core values and 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 everything beliefs, and it's like there's this you know kind of strand of Paul's writings that we've been differing on recently. And it's like, I, I think it's really important. And, and one of these days he's going to agree with me on it, but for now, you know, he's not, but anyway, I, I, I'm just playing around at this point, but, but, but the, but the point is like, yeah, for sure. There there's things that as you study and learn and grow, you may come to a different conclusion on something or uh, hold a different conviction and, and it's like, that's a constant moving target, right? Like if we're actually learning and actually growing. And so any sense of unity grounded simply on always agreeing is such a fragile, I mean, it's, it's a mirage, really. It's not even fragile. It's just, it's just a mirage. And so realizing that unity, the, the real unity that he's describing here, that is the unity of the spirit is grounded on something much more deeper and solid than that. 
And let's just go and talk about this. We've opened the can of worms, so let's just continue <laughs> open her forward. And, and, and often, when Romans 14 is read in practice, the conclusion that will be taken away is, well, that's not a salvation issue. Hmm. Well, the problem with that is, what's a salvation issue to you is an opinion to me. What's an opinion to me is a salvation issue to you. Yeah. I have yet to meet two Christians that will come up with a list of what is and I, I, I hate this phrase, but some of you will know what I mean. I hate saying that this is a Romans 14 issue. Hmm, if yeah. by that you mean that's an issue where you should love your brother, yeah, everything. Is a Romans 14 issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if by that you mean, oh, we can disagree on this and it's an opinion. Well, I guarantee you that it may be an opinion to you, but it may be really important to me. Like if you yeah. were to have read Romans 14 to Paul's original audience and ask them, Oh, okay. So like, do y'all think that you can like disagree over this whole eating stuff and still be friends? The majority of the church would have said, no, yeah. yeah. So like, again, we, I don't, we, we can't harp on this enough. If we don't read Romans 14 with an assumption of love and unity, we're going to mm-hmm. get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And yeah. I, I'll happily point you to examples where I've seen that. Yeah. But like, I mean, I don't mind saying this. I mean, when I was a senior in high school, the church I was with had a bunch of families leave over Romans 14. And I mean, that was really hard on me. Um, And like, I heard all the arguments about what is a Romans 14 issue and what's not a Romans 14 issue and what's a faith and what's not a faith and what it means to be weak, what it means to be strong, et cetera. But I think what was missing from so many of those conversations, not everyone involved by any means, but but, but what I can remember missing from so many of those conversations is Romans 13 verse eight. Oh no, anything except to love one another for the one who loves has fulfilled the law. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, this is really personal and I I get emotional talking about this, Uh, but but, but I've seen Romans 14 read so many times incorrectly with the wrong attitude. That mm-hmm. We have to start with the right attitude or we're going to get it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's just work through the first four verses right now. Verse one. Yeah. Great. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment from the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Oh, to understand Romans 14, not only do we have to have the proper background and assumptions of love and unity, but we also need to understand what Paul means by weak and strong. Yeah. Now, in practice, every time I've seen Romans 14 used, no one ever wants to say that I am the weak brother and I am the strong brother. We like to point fingers at other people and call them weak or strong. Yeah. But, but I'd like to really slow down and talk about what does Paul mean by these terms. So, Mike, tell me yeah. your opinion, then I'll correct you. <laughs> yeah. You you have fun with those setups. So you've got you've got the the community of faith at, in Rome, right? And they're basically kind of falling into two two groups, um, and and you know, strong and weak are the terms that Paul uses to describe those two groups. But you've got 
um, those who he calls the weak, and they have a more restrictive convictions when it comes to life in the Lord. They believe that um, there are certain days that they need to observe and certain foods they need to avoid. Um, there are those who are strong. And, and again, that just means it doesn't mean good, bad, right, wrong. It just means that they have a conviction that's more permissive. They don't uh, they don't have a conviction that they need to observe days and they have they don't have the conviction that they need to observe uh, re- refrain from certain foods. And 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 understanding these are not this is not just um, sometimes we'll talk about this as like one brother or one sister who just has a conscience issue here or there. Right. These are these are social groups. These are these are a, a various social dynamics. And, and at, a, at a level, particularly of the weak, at, a, at an identity level, right, yes. based on who they are, how they grew up, what they were taught, what they can actually take you back to scripture for to, you know, we would use the phrase book, chapter, verse to give scriptural justification for their practices, say, this is why we do what we do. This is what we believe, what we believe. But in terms of just how the terms apply, you've got weak is the restrictive convictions, strong are the more permissive convictions, and Paul's navigating the social dynamics around those different convictions with those different groups. Perfect. Um, I'm going to supplement that with a reading from Scott McKnight's book, Reading Romans Backward. This has very been very helpful to me. McKnight wrote, writes, this is on page 21 of his book, for anyone who has it. The terms that deserve some scrutiny are strong in Greek donatoi and weak adonatoi. Now, if you'll notice in Greek, strong and weak are the same root word. It just has a or all, which means not in front of it. So literally it's strong and not strong. The CEB brings us to the thick of the social realities in Rome. It translates it this way. We who are powerful need to be patient with the weaknesses of those who don't have power. Yes, that's right. The term behind the NRSV strong and behind its weak, ESV as well for that matter, is a cognate and translated more accurately in the CEB. Paul contrasts donatoi with adonatoi, the powerful versus the unempowered. Or to turn this into spatial categories, those who may have lived in homes versus those who live in apartments. Essentially, now this is my comment here on what, on what he, he's writing here. These are social categories. Mm-hmm. The strong is going to be the one who is a position of social status and power. Yeah. Weak is going to be more in a place of disempowerment socially. Now, what has been very helpful for me in trying to read Romans 14 more accurately is trying to think, how would I identify in our situation as the strong or the powerful? And when would I identify as the weak or the not powerful? Mm-hmm. Now, what you said, Mike, about the convictions and permissiveness, all of that, I think, is going to flow from how we identify in our group identities. Yeah. Good so far? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so let me pr- provide for myself two. And just here. And just, I just want to note, look at us agreeing. 
I know. I know. Just let, give it five more minutes and, and, we'll, yeah. and we'll, we'll divide on this. But um, just don't ask me to eat vegetables afterward. Um, actually, no, I'll let you know me. We both love vegetables. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah, we need to find something else to divide over. But do you um, love do you love vegetables more than you love chicken fingers? No. No, okay. No, sorry. Right. No, fried chicken and hot sauce will be my meal for life. All right, continue. So... Let me try to put myself in each of these categories. Yeah. Okay. So I think I would generally read this chapter in my life, identifying more with the not strong, with the not powerful, mm-hmm. particularly whenever I think of my identity as like a second generation Christian, mm-hmm. or even my identity as someone who was raised in the church. Typically, people in the church love to talk about how much the world is against us, how much we have to live on the fringe of society, how much everyone is against us, etc. And we are not in a place of power in our culture. Hollywood's mm-hmm. against us. The left is against us. Politics are against us. Everybody's against us. And we're not in a place of power. Yeah. That is what it means to be weak. You're not in a place of power. So let me use a real life example here. When I was in grad school, anytime I would go to conferences, every night conferences would end with mixers, which is where the high status scholars would come and visit and and mingle with everybody. But that place was as drunk as a skunk. Now, it was very well known that the high status position The powerful position is going to be at this mixer where you can mingle with the other high status people. The low status position is going to be refusing to go because you don't want to get drunk. Mm -hmm. That was an example where I was the weak. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't go because I did not feel that I could be in a place of that high status because of all that that consisted of. Yeah. But but other times in my life, I found myself in the strong, particularly mm-hmm. at Manslick. We've welcomed many immigrant families. The immigrants are clearly in a place of disempowerment compared mm-hmm. to me as a however many generation American. Yeah. There's other issues then where I am now the strong in a position of social status and power. And yeah. they're the weak in a position mm-hmm. of social disempowerment. Yeah. Now, all of our convictions in all of our different moral discernment is going to start is going to first begin with those group identities. Yeah. Right. So for me, once I've started with more of that big picture idea of what's going on in Romans 14 with the weak mm-hmm. and the strong and tried to map my own life into it, it's given yeah. me some nuance in reading this and not just make this as, oh, Romans 14 is about the head covering, but it's not about social drinking. Yeah. Um, no. Right. Like, even you put social drinking, is social drinking a Romans 14 issue? Uh, duh. <laughs> because that, I think, issue perhaps more than any other demonstrates the, the the importance of status and privilege and power and everything that goes along with that. Yeah. Now, what we do with that, you have to read the rest of the chapter. But w- there's so many different social dynamics that I think are mapping on to Romans 14. Yeah, absolutely. So. This is heavy. This is a lot. Let's not go into chapter five and to verse five until our next conversation. What other yeah. notes do you have about these first four verses, Mike? No, I think that's it. I think just just um, 
sitting in that for a little bit and, and, you know, getting beyond this, who's right on what issue, who's wrong on what issue, but just recognize the way Paul's using these, these terms to describe two different groups of people um, who are defined by their different convictions on various issues. Both are convicted that their path is right or wrong out of conviction to serve the Lord, right? It's not like one is more conservative and the other's more liberal. It's that both are uh, hold their convictions before the Lord and are living before the Lord. And it's what Paul's trying to do then is, is then help them um, learn to live together <laughs> before the Lord while holding their different convictions. Yeah. And, I, and and what Paul's wanting to see here is welcome. I mean, yeah, exactly. that's what he says in verse one is the beginning. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Welcome. Yeah. I mean, Spanish, bienvenidos. I mean, let's mm-hmm. let's welcome each other in. And we, we need to make sure that this chapter is leading us to welcome our neighbor, yeah. especially yeah. making us welcome our brother or sister in the faith rather than yeah. trying to create more walls and barriers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Your God reigns.